I'm Paul Irwin and welcome to the Pros.com podcast, where we discuss everything translation and interpreting related, including how to get new clients, areas of specialization, technical skills, software localization, machine translation, diversification, and more. Pros.com, helping freelance translators and interpreters succeed. Paul here, welcome to episode 72 of the pros.com translation and interpreting podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be sharing part two of the pros.com industry report. So stick around for that in just a second. If you haven't uh, if you haven't had a chance to uh, listen to part one yet, then you might want to hop back to episode 71 before listening to this one. When you've got a second, I also suggest that you head over to pros.com where you can check out our very special membership and training offers. You will see them just at the top of the page there. So they are available for a limited time only. We've got some really amazing training bundles with two courses for the price of one effectively. We've also got a very good offer on membership. So set yourself up for success in 2023 by heading over to pros.com. So let's jump into the second part of the pros.com industry report 2022 put together by Jared Tabor. Here we go. Niche available. It's not just about your fields of expertise anymore. In a previous industry report, we touched on the dynamic of machine translation and the translator, machine translation and the company or client, as well as the segments of freelance translators who were 1. Embracing MT and MTPE, 2. Diversifying within the industry, 3. Diversifying out of the industry. As we saw a moment ago, some translators are getting trained or training themselves in the application of post-editing and dedicating at least some of their work efforts to these projects. Some translators are diversifying the services they offer within the industry and others are transitioning out of the industry altogether. We'll look at these last two groups in just a moment, but first, let's look at this from a different perspective. A client of yours approaches you about a project. They've decided to add post-editing to their types of service. Would you be interested? Now, if you are one of the translators who have set themselves up to do post-editing, the answer may be fairly straightforward. If you are not, there are more forks in the road. What do you do? All professional responses to this kind of inquiry, which at this point you have most likely experienced at least once, and if not, you will, are valid. What some translators are seeing in these inquiries from their clients are opportunities to add a valuable service to what they have to offer already, to go beyond a simple yes or no. The average translator who has been in the industry for a while now will tend to have more experience using machine translation in different applications on their own and a better handle on the advantages or pitfalls of its use in some cases. A translator who is also well-versed in what is involved in post-editing or any other technological advance and how it is currently being used in their languages is in a position to offer consultation or useful guidance on when and how to best apply it to a project that falls into their area of expertise. Positioning oneself as a highly skilled expert on the tech in translation, not just in one's field of expertise, is one option for offering a more comprehensive service to one's clients. 
As we saw when we looked at the problematic case scenarios for MT use, the need and the niche for this kind of expert is there. It's just a question of who can fill it. The continued rise of the remote interpreter. There was probably a sort of golden age of the interpreter, where technology had gotten good enough to support and facilitate an interpreter's work, but where, for the most part, the interpreter needed to be on site. So you saw a lot of interpreters travelling here and there, near and far, to work at conferences, job sites, business meetings, court hearings, and so on. It sounds almost glamorous, doesn't it? Tech advances then reached a point where those plane tickets and travel expenses began to dry up as it became easier and easier and more and more cost-effective to bring the interpreter onto the scene either over the phone or virtually. Not only can remote interpreting be more cost-effective, it can also be safer. Think of military applications, war zones, language support during epidemics and so on. Smartphones allowed us to go mobile with a distant interpreter and platforms geared towards finding and engaging with a distant interpreter began to pop up across the internet. Remote interpreting was already very much on the rise before 2020, but then the pandemic happened and here also caused an acceleration of this trend. Suddenly, in most cases, the only option if you needed an interpreter was that it had to be remote. While in some sectors an attempt is being made now to return to normal, what will actually happen is we will eventually adapt to what everyone is calling the new normal, and this will further solidify the rise of the remote interpreter. There will still be cases where an on-site interpreter is a good idea and feasible from a cost standpoint, but from a client perspective, in many instances remote interpreting just makes good sense. And if you think in terms of reach, this may in some senses be the start of a new, more golden, golden age. There was a not too distant past when if you had a medical emergency in a place where you did not speak the language, finding someone to facilitate communication with medical professionals was something with a high degree of chance involved and that is steadily being replaced with certainty. Access to interpreting services is now more widely available than ever, regardless of where you are or the languages you need. More and more interpreters than ever before are able to reach clients with their services, in their languages, almost instantly, and at a lower cost to the professional as well. The ever-blurring line between translator and interpreter. According to Claudia Brower, a trans interpreter is a new identity for translators and interpreters in the 21st century. Trans interpreters are translators that are capable of interpreting and interpreters that are qualified in translation. They acquire or enhance their soft skills to adapt to fast change and solve problems in original ways. All trans interpreters are tech-savvy, embracing the latest technology. In the 20th century, translators translated text and interpreters interpreted the spoken word. They required very different technical and soft skill sets. In today's world, the advent of new communications technologies requires trans interpreters performing as both translators and interpreters. The advent of new communications technologies requires trans interpreters performing as both translators and interpreters.
The line between translator and interpreter used to be well-defined and it was not so common to see someone professionally tackling both. However, between 30 and 40% of translators and interpreters are either currently considering or have already become what Claudia Brower calls trans-interpreters. Some interpreters, increasingly office-bound, already have most of the setup required for translation work and are finding it easier to pick up translation jobs between interpreting gigs. An obstacle to this can be the way that some remote interpreting systems work. You may not get as much work if you are not readily available during certain hours of the day and you may not always have ample warning of incoming jobs, thus cutting down on the time you can safely allot to meeting a translation deadline. As remote interpreting becomes the way most interpreting gets done, and as it also increases the amount of interpreting that can be done, it should not be surprising that more and more translators are saying, hey, I would like to do that too. Remote interpreting can be a fun way to spice up the gaps between translation projects and bolster one's income. And so an increasing number of translators are getting trained to interpret. At the moment, This is the larger of the two segments. More translators are going into interpreting than interpreters going into translation. You win some, you lose some. The percentage of people who are leaving the industry had declined somewhat by 2019. Just under 21% said they were planning on leaving or had already left the industry. There was a small uptick in this percentage in 2022 to 23%. Now, bear in mind that these percentages include people who are considering leaving but who have not yet left, and they also likely leave out some who have already left as well. In 2022, roughly 37% of freelance translators and interpreters reported friends or colleagues who had left the industry in the past couple of years. Arriving at an actual real turnover rate for an industry as fragmented as language services would probably be close to impossible at the moment. But we can look at these percentages as indicators to keep an eye on and it may be helpful to look at what is happening in other industries just to get a sense of perspective. As points of comparison, depending on where you look, turnover in the tech industry or in finance is around 18 to 20%. Education and health services might be 30 to 40%. It is difficult to say yet if the percentages we are talking about here are normal for the language services industry or not. A slight increase in people leaving in 2022 in the context of the post-pandemic, or wherever we are in the pandemic now, and the trend to rethink one's work and life in a new light would not be surprising. The percentage of people leaving is also compensated for and most likely surpassed by the percentage of newcomers who have selected or are considering freelance work in the language services industry as a career path. Pay attention to attention economy. Wait, what's that? Under the theory of attention economics, a person's attention is treated as a limited resource. This is a trend we can all see impacting our daily lives. When someone sends us a video to watch, how likely are we to watch all the way through if the video is more than 20 minutes long? Or if it is more than five minutes long, which are we more likely to read? A 14-page article or a two-page article? Can we get by with just reading the summary? 
So in years past, if you wanted to sell a product or service or an idea to someone else, you had to have an elevator pitch, a brief catchy way to communicate that product, service or idea that could be delivered during the course of an elevator ride. You could expound on the thing later in various formats, but you had to catch your audience's interest, make them want to learn more first. In 2022, the elevator is modern, the ride is fast, there is no stopping at different floors from point A to point B. And the audience you are pitching to may not even have the bandwidth to listen to a speech, preferring instead a single image or two which sum up what is unique about what you have to offer. The volume of things clamouring for our attention leads us to economise how we spend our attention. Attention economy has greatly accelerated in all facets of how we live and work, and this applies to language professionals seeking the interest of new clients. This can be a hard pill to swallow for some. As language professionals, many are exceptional at describing in detail and with precision what they do and what they have to offer. You can still do that for those who wish to read more, as it were, but it is a good idea to lead with something else which is absolutely compelling, absolutely brief, highlighting your differentiators, and is easy to consume. Make that the very first thing they see. A project manager juggling various projects and deadlines will not spend too much time looking here and there to get a full picture of who you are as a candidate, nor should they have to nowadays. A best practice moving forward for getting new clients is to show them how you value the resource that is their attention by giving them a presentation of yourself as a professional that is easy to find, easy to understand, and is also beautiful. A demographic interlude. Years in the industry. Respondents to surveys and other participants in this report are a relatively mature crowd in terms of professional experience. Almost half fall into the range of between 6 and 18 years in the industry. Surveys outside of the pros.com site indicate the percentage of newer language professionals may be higher than shown here, however, with 10% having been in the industry for just under 2 years and another 10% in the 2-4 to four year range. Education Some places have institutions of higher learning where translation and interpreting have long been taught, but especially before the digital age, access to these was not for the majority. There was a period where translation and interpreting related programs of study started to become more widely accessible. With that, we saw an increase in enrollment in these kinds of programs. Following this, there were some years where this appeared to be in decline and fewer were reporting studying towards or completing degrees in translation or interpreting. In 2022, however, a larger number reported obtaining these degrees, an 11% increase since 2015. Did the pandemic provide a moment where, for example, a larger number of people were able to return to and or complete their studies? Or are other factors involved? Time will tell if this upward tick turns into an upward trend again. Regardless of ups and downs in language services related studies, there are not fewer people becoming translators and interpreters, as we saw earlier in this report. It is probably quite the opposite. The barrier to entry for the language services industry has always been relatively low, 
a reasonably intelligent and independent person could, with not much of investment up front, start translating, gain experience, and kick off their career. Compare this with other lines of work, where traditionally the lack of a degree is a non-starter, regardless of your experience or talent. Now, obviously someone who studies the line of work before going into it will start off their career with certain advantages. But fortunately for the language industry, that's not the only way in. And it should be clarified for those not in the know that translators and interpreters in general are a highly educated group. Diversely so. A doctor, lawyer, engineer, any professional with a propensity or talent for languages can, comparatively easily, pick up the skills and know-how to kick off a career in language services with the added benefit of already having at least one area of specialization where they are intimately familiar with the terms, structures and language used in that field. So while the number of professionals coming into the industry directly from translation or interpreting studies may or may not be on the decline, the number of language professionals who have certification or degrees which strengthen the services they offer in their fields remains strong. As of 2022, 50% of freelance translation language professionals report degrees in translation or interpreting studies. Upwards of 60% report degrees or certification in areas of study other than translation and interpreting. Between 50 and 55% hold degrees beyond an undergraduate level degree, for example, masters or doctorates. Digital natives versus digital immigrants. There is a bit of contention around the terms digital native and digital immigrant. In general, a digital native is a person who was born and raised in the digital age, while a digital immigrant is usually someone who learned to use computers and other technology at a later stage in life. I.e., if you are Gen X or before that, you are probably a digital immigrant. Even more care should probably be taken when trying to apply them to freelance language professionals, but as a fun data point that gives an indicator of age, roughly 25% of freelance language professionals would consider themselves digital natives. Why does this mean relatively little, beyond an indication of when one was born in this particular industry? Freelance language professionals today, in general, due to the nature of their work, are above average in digital, computer and internet competence. So the supposed difference between the two groupings tend to flatten out more here than they might in other contexts. There are even some arguments that those who are digital immigrants have had to develop a more detailed understanding of some software and other tools, as well as having learned certain non-digital strategies which they are able to use to their advantage in their digital work lives. Households A household is a living, breathing, dynamic thing, so it's not surprising that the composition of the average translator's or interpreter's household has evolved a bit over the years. The two-person household is the most populated group, followed by those lucky single households where one is one's own boss, both in business and in life. At least 63% of freelance language professionals have their own office or dedicated workspace, big or small. 
Most of those who do not currently have a dedicated workspace at home would like one, as it is widely agreed that this is an important component in both productivity and work-life balance. For some types of work, it is even more crucial. Compliance with certain standards of audio and visual quality, including setting and background noise levels, is paramount for most remote interpreters. Languages spoken. In 38% of translator and interpreter households, at least two languages are spoken. Three or more languages are spoken in 25% of households. A little over 50% of freelance language professionals own their own home, though at least 73% are either paying mortgages or renting, leaving 27% in situations where either their homes are paid off or their housing situation is otherwise covered for them. For example, still living at home or with family. Just over 19% of language professionals have changed their place of residence in the past two years. 6% of them moved from one country to another. Have languages, will travel. Beyond place of residence, around 34% self-identify as what some call digital nomads and spend a good portion of their time working while traveling. If you are socially networking with other freelancers, you probably know some or have seen their pictures and locations pop up in your feed. Tasting different local cuisines, translating from Indonesia this month, from South America the next. What? He's in Dubai now? With the right roster of clients and the right amount of organization and self-discipline, it is a lifestyle that is possible for a freelance language professional and a much more difficult situation to achieve from other lines of work. Main earners. But who is paying for those trips and housing expenses? 56% say they are the main breadwinner in their household. This percentage is up roughly 10% from 10 years ago. 43% say that more than 80% of their household's income comes from their freelance work. 22% say it's about a 50-50 split between them and their partner. 37% say that they are the sole breadwinner of their household, but at the same time, around 23% report that they are the only person in their household too. Income. So let's talk money. One tendency is to focus too sharply on rates. To be fair, a successful freelancer pays attention to their rates, charges accordingly for their work, and sets rates which allow them to deliver good work and make the living they want to make. However, it can be easy to miss the income forest if one is staring too hard at an individual rate tree. To touch briefly on rates, we can say that in the two years prior to 2022, around 47% of freelance language professionals adjusted their rates upward, either partially or across the board. So far in 2022, 41% have either partially or completely adjusted their rates. Another 14% are planning to do so and 15% are still on the fence about what to do. How this looks in practice has many variations. Some maintain the rates they charge their longer standing clients while introducing newer rates to new clients. Or perhaps they also raise the rates they charge their older clients but much less sharply. Some analyse and make adjustments on a client-by-client basis, taking into account the relation that has been established, volume and frequency of the work, and even how interesting, fun or challenging 
they find the work from a given client. It is not the intention of this report to provide advice on what one should do with one's rates, but here is some food for thought. In the context of what we have seen so far in this report, where demand for work is up, the demand for highly skilled language professionals is up, spending on content and language services is either steady or up, and inflation and cost of living have been on the rise, one might say that there are indicators that if you have not analysed your rates and considered the possibility of adjusting them accordingly in some time, now might be an appropriate moment. Waiting until the inflation storm has blown over and costs are no longer rising so sharply may leave one behind the curve on pricing and making adjustments to bring one's pricing up to date may become more difficult. What about overall income? 52% of language professionals report that their overall income has increased over the past two to three years, while 19% say their overall income has decreased. It probably makes little sense to look at specific monetary amounts, since what those amounts mean from place to place and individual to individual will vary wildly. But about the same percentage, 53% would rate their income as average or above average for the place where they live. 80% say their earnings are greater than the minimums established in their country of residence, usually a minimum monthly salary. Depending on where you live, income may be less meaningful than savings capacity, the ability to set aside money and not spend it. Freelance language professionals are able to save more than in previous years. The percentage of professionals who report they are able to put some of their income into savings has steadily increased from 35% in 2005 to 80% in 2022. Around 12% do not have any savings at the moment. This, of course, includes those who are just starting out and maybe a percentage that fluctuates with more ease than in other lines of work. Savings capacity is important to any worker, but is more crucial to a freelancer than others since they are generally more vulnerable to sudden gaps in incoming work and the income it represents. Not only are more freelance language professionals able to save, the amounts they are able to save have also increased in recent years. For example, in comparison with 2016, in 2022 the percentages of freelancers who have a cushion of mere weeks or a month of income have decreased and more and more are able to build up enough to protect the regularity of their income for various months and even years. We will look at some client-specific trends in a moment, but while we're on the subject of income, relatively little has changed in the last 10 years in regards to the proportions of income to number or type of client. For the most part, translators and interpreters manage to not put too many of their income eggs in one client basket, so to speak. There has been a slight increase in professionals who report that 75 to 100% of their income comes from their biggest client, 13% in 2006, 17% in 2022. But the majority appear to be trending towards client rosters which are healthy enough that the sudden loss of their largest client would not adversely affect their income in the short term. Due to the internationality of the work, 
language professionals' incomes are also more susceptible to issues involving the exchange of currency. In 2022, 47% reported that currency conversion had a negative impact on their earnings to some degree. Investments and planning. Freelance language professionals have a lot going for them and are above average in many respects. Long-term planning, however, does not seem to be an inherent component of the average translator's or interpreter's skill set. As with almost anything else, it can be learned, but it can be difficult to break away from the day-to-day, job-to-job, client-new-client perspective and cycle. For example, freelancers have the luxury curse of deciding when they will retire from professional activity. This can lead to some not making the decision at all until they can absolutely no longer avoid it and, more importantly, not planning for something like retirement. 55% have not made any retirement plans at all and at least 25% report they have no intention of retiring. Around 14% have a written business plan of some kind. Regarding the shorter term in business, when asked for plans on a yearly basis, only around 19% report formulating a plan for the year, at least mentally. For the most part, plans are either on a day-to-day basis or a week or a few in advance, 77%. This does not mean that the average freelance translator or interpreter is not thinking about the future of their business. They are just doing so differently. In the 2020 to 2022 period, language professionals were investing in their businesses on a greater scale than had been the trend pre-pandemic. Only 12% state they have made no monetary investments in their work and tools during this time. These investments include hardware, software, memberships and marketing efforts, training and industry events and tools to improve administrative processes. 30% made investments in the range of 200 to 700 US dollars or equivalent, roughly another 30% in the range of 700 to 2000 dollars or equivalent, and just over 11% invested more than 2000 US dollars or equivalent. 36% of freelance language professionals put part of their income towards financial investments, including stocks, bonds, funds, real estate, etc. Continuing professional development, CPD, is an investment in one's business which also often has a price tag, so it is worth mentioning here. Just over 56% of language professionals did some form of continuing professional development between 2019 and the start of 2022. So far in 2022, 38% report doing tracked CPD, 20% are doing CPD but not keeping close track of what and when. Clients. Where is all this money coming from? Let's take a look at freelance language professionals and their clients. In 2022, a higher percentage of translators reported not having any regular clients at the moment, 15% versus less than 10% in the previous 14 years. Of course, regular is somewhat subjective, but it might be slightly more meaningful than a simple total number of clients. The largest group, between 20 and 30% over the last 14 years, report working with four to six regular clients at a time. Payment methods. Depending on where you are and who you are working for, how you get paid can be an issue. Over 50% of freelance language professionals have at least occasional difficulty matching the payment methods through which they can receive payments with the methods a client uses to make them. For around at least 10%, these issues can seriously affect who they are able to work for. What are you even talking about? 
asks the EU-based translator working for EU-based clients. Well, for some language professionals in some countries, payment methods such as PayPal, for example, are either not an option or the workaround to actually receive the payment involved requires just as much time and energy as the job did. There are more payment handlers than before and newer options such as cryptocurrency, but nothing has come along which can effectively resolve all issues across the board yet. So for many, the payment method issue can have additional steps which take away from how much they can work and how much they can enjoy the work they do. 1. Find a way to receive payment which is among the client's methods of payment and then 2. Find a way to move that payment to one's bank or to another payment handler which will allow them to easily access or use the funds. And also, three, find a way to minimize funds lost to handler or transaction fees or currency conversion along the way. Roughly 30% of freelance language professionals have incorporated new payment methods over the last two years in order to increase their payability to clients. A newer payment method, cryptocurrency, has seen a very limited, cautious adoption among language professionals. Cryptocurrency can amplify one's means of receiving payment, but in many cases the issues described above remain. What do I do with it once I've received it? Or how do I get my hands on the actual cash and do my grocery shopping with it? In general, the attitude so far towards cryptocurrency is that it may be a means of investment or a means of payment for other things, but not so much a means of getting paid oneself. And for the most part, it appears that clients are not clamoring for its use either. In 2022, almost 25% of language professionals say they would consider offering cryptocurrency as an additional payment method if it were requested by their clients. Payment terms. Most language professionals, 61%, would rate their own clients' payment terms and practices as good, 47%, to excellent, 14%. But that also means that 39% rate their clients' payment terms and practices between average and very poor. So there is room for improvement on this front. A greater percentage are reporting dealing with payment terms in the 40 to 60 day range, nearly 47%, while smaller and smaller percentages are enjoying nearly immediate payment upon delivery up to three weeks. There was a small uptick in those working with payments in the 30 day range after several years of gradual decline in that payment term range. Does client size matter? Maybe. Around 46% of those who work with translation companies prefer to work with middle to smaller sized companies. One reason for this preference is that smaller sized companies are better able to extend certain personal touches which their providers appreciate. The larger the company, the more likely they are to start automating some processes and these personal touches tend to disappear. Nearly as many, however, have no set preference as long as the work is interesting and the pay is good. Workflow and tools. Translation management systems, TMS, continue to be introduced and existing systems continue to improve. Consensus is that a good TMS can improve the productivity and quality of the output of the company using it. How do translators feel about them though? It can be anywhere from an enjoyable, worthwhile experience to outright messy, depending on three main factors. One, quality or completeness of the TMS, two, number of clients the language professional is serving, and three, frequency of work. 
for translators who are serving several clients or more, and where each client uses their own or a different translation management system, it can be complicated to become proficient in each platform's use. To a lesser degree, remote interpreters may find themselves in a similar situation if they are serving more than one platform. Username and password management is just the start. The more intricate the system, the more time one may be forced to spend each time around finding where or how to perform the necessary actions from start to the end of the job to submitting an invoice for payment. This inefficiency increases as the frequency of work provided through the given TMS decreases. One noted benefit on the translator's end is the ease in management of large files. But in 2022, when it is difficult to not end up on a TMS somehow, and one would think we have moved somewhat beyond using email as a main project management tool, most translators, 73%, still prefer the use of email for job coordination and 70% still submit most of their work via email. Just under 55% of translators say that most or all of their translation agency clients request or require the use of a specific CAT tool when working with them. Messaging services such as WhatsApp and Telegram have also taken a role in some workflows, with recruiting, onboarding and project management being carried out using these platforms. Since some companies are already using these to interface with their clients, extending their use to managing workflow may seem natural. However, they also introduce a certain level of risk at the outset of a service provider-client relationship along with widening the fan of communication methods the provider should stay on top of, and in some cases, further blurring the line between professional and personal life and work hours. Recent scams targeting translators have used a WhatsApp or Telegram contact method to screen translators and assign work, impersonating a project manager or other employee of a translation company. For example, the traditional version of this scam used masked emails or free email addresses which look similar to the company's domain-based email addresses in order to pass themselves off as representatives of the company. Risk management. The digital age has made so many things easier and faster, but it has been somewhat slower to address an issue that is a product of life on the internet itself, knowing who really is who and what they say they are. The days when online anonymity in professional circles was relatively common are over, or soon to end, but it can still be a somewhat nerve-wracking affair to make the right professional connections and to do business online, for freelancers and for their clients alike. 23% of language professionals have been targeted in the last year by scams which are specific to the language industry. These are usually translation-specific, so the victims for the most part have been translators. However, interpreters still need to watch out for the traditional overpayment scam, both with regards to payment for jobs as well as upfront payment for equipment for jobs. About half of language professionals will tell you they have improved the way they screen new potential clients over the past couple of years, though around 60% also admit that they could be a bit more rigorous in their risk management. The majority, 79%, spend anywhere between 20 minutes and an hour checking relevant details and reputation of a potential client before deciding to move forward.
Direct clients. The needle has not moved much on the translator to direct client gauge in the past few years. Many translators continue to seek work with direct clients over work with agencies when they can. For many clients, however, it continues to be more efficient to hire a company to tackle their language needs, especially if the work involves more than one language or services beyond straight translation, since few are able to source and manage these projects on their own, and single translators rarely offer this as part of their services. For smaller or single language needs, striking up a relationship with an individual translator can be fruitful. You're talking directly to the person doing the work, and they are more easily able to get to know you, what you do, and your needs as a client, which can pay off big in the long term if you work with them more than just once. 71% of freelance language professionals report that they are working with at least one or two direct clients. For nearly 40%, a significant portion of their income, greater than 10%, comes from their work with direct clients and around 10% work exclusively or almost exclusively with direct clients. Clients. Room for improvement. Now, most freelance language professionals report that they are in general happy with their clients. But if you are a buyer of language services, know that at the same time, 59% of them are also on the lookout for better clients. Just over 30% have an eye out for higher paying clients to replace some of their current clients. There is always room for improvement, right? This applies to a service provider's client roster and also to a client's processes when dealing with their service providers. Here are a few things which can help make you a better client to current and potential service providers. Payment terms and punctuality in payment. It is frustrating and trust-breaking to have to chase payments or to deal with a payments department where invoices get lost or fall through the cracks. Shorter payment terms also mean happier service providers. Payment systems where the service provider also has access to optional payment before the payment term is up are also appreciated. Improved communications and modes of communication. Adding a personalised human touch to communications can go a long way. When using automated or semi-automated communication, take the steps to customise it appropriately. Avoid the poor impression caused when a service provider who has worked with you before is sent an email for an upcoming job where it seems you have forgotten who they are or what they have done for you already. Strike the right balance between AI or automation and humans. As you automate the way you source and manage your projects, one aspect to keep in mind should be ease of use for your service providers. How easy is it for them to log into your system and do what you need them to do? Simple, intuitive interfaces for getting assigned projects, doing work, submitting work and getting paid can make a difference. How important is it that the work be done on a specific system or tool? If the issue is compatibility, It is possible that you can greatly widen the pool of providers that can work with you by focusing on compatibility rather than on the tool to produce those files, for example. Strike the right balance between MT and humans. If you are offering MTPE as an option to your clients, do it right. Service providers who have invested the time in becoming proficient in this kind of work or who you have invested the time in training are going to be able to do the work better 
as with any kind of specialist. Premium human translations can help offset the discounts you might provide on MT-related services. Consider passing that premium down the chain to your providers as well. Freelance language professionals' outlooks on the future of their work and careers run the gamut, of course. But in general, positivity is up and negativity is down from 2020. The percentage of language professionals who would recommend their line of work to someone who is currently weighing their career options is also up slightly, which is good. The industry will need all the new talent it can get. Outlook or outro. On the future. Translators and interpreters of the future will use technology and work on complicated projects, for example, technology projects requiring highly specific terms, that computers will never be good at. The world is increasingly interconnected and we are becoming fast media consumers. I believe translators, good professionals and accurate translators will play a more significant role. If we don't change our approach as translators, we might become mere data analysts who only work on machine translation. We should instead aim at advising our clients on the benefits of a good translation, or at least discuss with them when it's best to have a high-quality human translation and when machine translation can come into play for quick translation with lower quality requirements. Translators will be engaged increasingly in high-end tasks on complex and critically high-quality texts and assets. Even though I am conscious I still have a long way ahead, I am pretty happy with my profession and I foresee a promising future. Generalists face increasing competition from AI, but for specialists with good knowledge of their field, for example lawyers and engineers, the future is bright. Language professionals will be highly specialised professionals with outstanding source language comprehension and, in the case of translation, excellent target language writing skills, with a tilt to transcreation and the ability to work with clients on equal footing, also providing advice and consultancy. Thank you. Thanks goes out to the thousands of translators, interpreters and other language professionals who contributed, in one way or another, to the information in this report. And a special thank you to all pros.com paying members, since it is your membership investment which makes the work that goes into collecting the information and publishing these reports possible. Let's meet back here next year. This report was compiled exclusively for pros.com members. It was made possible through the participation of pros.com members and thanks to their investment in pros.com membership. Reports on industry trends that affect freelance translators, interpreters, companies providing language services and others in the industry are periodically published on pros.com. If you are a pros.com paying member, you can access this and other reports at www.pros.com slash industry report.